the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're having a great Saturday, great weekend. Hope it was a fun week for you. Um, some of you are probably out doing yard work. Yeah, gotta hate that for you. Uh, did mine last week. Uh, so, you know. Yeah, but it, hey, if you're not doing yard work, it's time to get out there and, and get ready. You know, food plot season is here. Uh, if you're interested in conservation, whether you deer hunt or you small game hunt or whatever, the ground temps are getting right. Uh, about time to start looking at getting seed in the ground. Corn's gonna be, you know, everything's expensive this year. Get ready for it. If you try to buy, chemicals or fertilizers or seed it's uh it's a little bit of a sticker shock but um you know maybe just want to be a little smarter with it and eh, it's okay to tone back a little bit there's we're blessed in south carolina with a lot of a lot of natural vegetation and cover and that sort of thing and the stuff we do on the on the planting side helps and all and if you have if you have to cut it back a little bit this year it's understandable i may have to do a little bit of that myself Gonna plant a little more brown top millet than than some of the other stuff, simply because brown top is so tolerant, heat resistant, um, drought resistant that uh, may do a little more of that this year. Uh, Egyptian wheat's still on the list. It's a it's a great screener for me, and uh, and the quail love it. So uh, yeah, but it's getting that time. Uh, it's gonna be a fun show today. We're talking to Amy Dukes, Elizabeth Gooding with uh, the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. On the uh, 34th annual South Carolina Governor's Cup Bill Fishing Series, we're going to concentrate a lot on uh, conservation, uh, the, the series itself, where it's been, where it's coming, where it's going, uh, a lot of science, uh, interesting stuff. And then I think we're going to circle back around sometime in um, between a couple of the stops and talk about Rules and regulations, and, and what happens on the boat. Hopefully, I'm going to get out on the boat this year. Tried to last year. Weather blew me out. Uh, just just go out and observe. Just hang out. I told them they could, they could duct tape me to the tuna tower, and I would be a happy camper as long as there's no lightning around. Uh, and just hang out and just see what's going on. It's uh, that, that offshore fishing is, is totally different than anything that we do here inshore. It's just, it's a, uh, it's a different mindset altogether. The, the the aim is the same: catch fish. Uh, it's just a lot, <laughs> a lot. Although I don't know, I say a lot bigger baits. I have a, I have a, an eight inch swim bait now for bass fish, and I have a couple of them. And I, you know, you heave that thing out there, and it makes a big splash, and like that, it just it just scared everything off within you know five hundred yards. And I haven't gotten bit on it yet, the big one, but I have had some six inch swim baits taken. So, you know, it's kind of fun, but yeah, the, the lures they use offshore is different. Uh, the fish are a lot different, and the environment's a lot different. It's a pretty cool place to be, and if you ever get a chance to go offshore, it's an experience. Um, 
and they make a lot of stuff for people who may or may not got seasick. Uh, but it's it's definitely a bucket list item if you've never been offshore is to get out there and just experience what goes on out there. Especially right now, the, the dolphin bite is is hot. I understand. Uh, but the bite here on uh, Herring Lake is off the charts right now, too. Got down to Lake Murray for a day. Um, didn't get the three or four days that I wanted to, but I did get one day to go fishing. And um, there are no secrets how to catch a herring fish. Find a point. You know, I, I I was able to get them to come up, hit a topwater plug uh, and a fluke without seeing them break. I mean, I caught some fish who came up chasing shad or herring or whatever, and I caught them, but I was able to call them up. You know, just that topwater bite starting to get good. Um, I caught a, I, I had a first. I caught two bass on one lure this time. Uh, I had a bass come up and nail a Sammy, and it jumped, and when it jumped, another bass was with it and grabbed the lure. I watched him. I watched him hook himself up. And so I had two bass weight, you know, both of them probably two and a half pounders. Uh, it was it was fun. It was interesting. But, yeah, you can do it. It happened to me. Lightning struck. Uh, caught some fish on a fluke. Working a fluke a lot differently than I ever have before. It's fun. It's different. Uh, I, love, I love the clear water because you can see what's happening. And I watched a gang of, like, six bass just run over themselves trying to get that fluke this year. That, that was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. They were all chunky two-pounders. Got bellies on them, like kind of like me. Uh, I, I I have a lot in common with a with a herring bass, you know, live to eat type thing. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's on Lake Murray. I'm sure it's on Lake Hartwell. Um, and it, it'll just get better as the season, you know, summer heats up, and that that topwater bite just gets better and better. So that's your fishing report. Uh, we do have a couple things in the calendar of events that I want to get to. Uh-oh. Where did they go? Which way did they go? Okay, here we go. Starting off, family fishing clinics. I think we covered through May 14th last time. So on May the 15th at High Falls County Park, they're going to have a family fishing clinic. Uh, and there's one at Table Rock State Park and South Cove County Park on the 14th. So, if you're into fishing, you know, want to learn how to fish, this is for you. Uh, the fishing rodeos are back in, as we we hit on last time, so we're going to talk about that. One of the best ones, which is kind of different, a lot of these, a lot of these fan fishing tournaments, rodeos or whatever, are, you know, stock catfish, that sort of thing. The one at Piedmont Forestry Center is actually a trout fishery, which is, which is really cool because it's a stream that runs through there. Um, it, it, this is going to take Saturday, May 14th, 9 a.m. to 1130. Uh, the Piedmont Forestry Center is in Tomasi, South Carolina, I think is the way you say that. I should know how to do this stuff by now. Uh, but yeah, bring your own gear and bait. Corn will be provided. Only corn, worms, power bait, salmon eggs, millworms, and artificial lures provide, permitted. No pets, except service animals. Cooler or bucket to transport your fish. Adults may assist their children ages one, ages 13 and over are not allowed to fish. Uh, feel free to pack a picnic lunch. Chick-fil-A will be there. No alcoholic beverages. Uh, bring a hair, a chair, hat, sunglasses, sunscreen, bug spray, and water. And uh, if you have any questions, 
email fishingrodeos at dnr.sc.gov. Again, if you have any questions about the family fishing rodeos, uh, email is fishingrodeos at dnr.sc.gov. Oh, there's a five-fish catch limit, and uh, registration, registration will be allowed on the day event if capacity allows, but you can go and pre-register on the DNR website. So let's see. In addition to that one, uh, you have one at Eight Oaks Park in Georgetown County and the one at Piedmont Forestry on May the 14th. So get out and go fishing. Uh, Low Country's Quail Forever chapter is having a, uh, invites you to have a drink, learn about South Carolina Quail Forever and talk bird dogs and birds on May 5th, 68. Rivers in Glen on 122 Coleman Boulevard on Shim Creek next to Shelter. And then there's a $250 first place prize for the Return Baptist Church Fishing Tournament on Lake Kiwi out of South Cove. Safe Light to 1 p.m., $50 for a boat. Um, benefit Tournament to support Christ Central Ministries. Fish Fry to Follow, Bass Only, Big Five, No Live Bait. Skimmer wall and hot hole off limits, and there's a 12-inch minimum. You can register. Uh, I'm sure you can go to Return First Return Baptist Church and do it there, but they do have Dylan Bolt as a contact at 864-784-4869. And that's the calendar. There's lots more out there, lots more places to look for things to go do. Uh, just don't have time to get to all of it here on this show, but that's just a start. The rest is up to you. Um, and with that, let's see, news coming out, the 2022 National Championship for the hugely popular Bassmaster High School Series is coming to Lake Hartwell, August 11th through 13th, and there's a lot of excitement out there about that one. We'll have a lot more about that later on, so, whew, we're going to talk South Carolina Governor's Billfish Series. Y'all hang on. Or was the one of South Carolina to come. You know, I, I, I like that music, but gosh, it takes a long time to develop. So I hope nobody went to sleep out there. But welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. Uh, this sometimes good, a lot of times, good things take time. And uh, this one has percolated for a year, and I'm glad we're finally going to make it happen. It was uh, nobody's fault. Everybody just got busy, and it was hard to to make it happen, but we're here now, and we're going to make this happen. We're going to talk about the South Carolina Governor's Billfish uh, Series, uh, and and Amy Dukes, you and I had a great conversation about this last year, and I, as we talked earlier, we almost did a show just talking on the phone, just just out there in the yard. I was just like, gosh, we, could, we should be recording right now, and, uh, and we're also joined by Elizabeth Gooding, who is part of the team now over at the Department of Natural Resources. So thank you both for taking a little bit of your time being on the show today, and uh, and we're going to have fun with it. Well, we're excited to be here, Roger. It's, uh, it's the Governor's Cup Bill Fishing Series is very much a part of our everyday responsibilities with the Department of Natural Resources, and we're just uh, very grateful and thankful that we're on your show today. Oh, thank you. Uh, Amy, Elizabeth, I don't know who wants to go first, but take just a moment to introduce yourselves to everybody that's listening 
and uh, and what you what your responsibilities are through this whole thing. Absolutely, I'll um, I'll go first. Okay. I'm uh, Amy Dukes. I uh, work for the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources, and one program that we oversee is the Governor's Cup Bill Fishing Series. I've been involved in the series now for. Oh, way too many years. Um, <laughs> but um, as a as a dedicated position um, for the Governor's Cup since 2007, and I love it very, very much. And I'm Elizabeth Gooding. Um, I also work with Amy for the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Um, we're both in the Office of Fisheries Management over here. Uh, my job title is Recreational Data Coordinator, um, but I work with Amy for the Governor's Cup, um, I collect a lot of the data that um, the captains come back with after a day of fishing, and um, I've been here for a little under a year, so it's been great so far. Uh, a fellow number cruncher. I like you already. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> uh, Amy, or, or somebody, that, you know, this is this is not your average bass tournament. Um, oh, no. <laughs> And I know a good bit about bass fishing and bass tournaments and all that. This is a this is, I mean, big boats, big water, and big fish. You know, Bassmaster is big dreams, big bass, big stage or something. But this is this is totally this is big boats, big water, and big fish. Uh, the saltwater environment is a uh, is a totally different thing, and and you deal with a lot out there, um, and. And bill fishing is a huge. I mean, there's a lot of money involved in this. Am I right? Uh, yes, sir. We often give away uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars during these tournaments wow. for the winners. Wow! And this year coming up, there's three of them, folks. If you're if you're interested in this, you want to follow along while the show is on, or go back and look at it later on. It's GovCup, G O V C U P dot D N R dot S E dot Gov. Uh, all the information's there. The 22 22 schedule starts off, gosh, in about, what, four weeks? May 25th in uh, Georgetown for the 54th Annual Blue Marlin Tournament. The Carolina Billfish Classic out of Charleston is uh, June 22nd, 25th. July 20th through the 23rd is the Edisto Invitational Billfish Tournament. So you can, and and I want to, we're going to get into all of this first, but having read that off, how does the average person get it? I mean, they can come to weigh-ins and all, I suppose, and kind of get a feel for what's going on and kind of get involved through that? Absolutely. Okay. The Governor's Cut Bill Fishing Series is celebrating its 34th, uh, 34th anniversary this summer. It started all back in 1989 under our former Governor Carol Campbell. We had a, a lot of folks in South Carolina exploring the blue water and catching these billfish species, blue marlin, white marlin, spearfish, and sailfish, as well as our pelagic species, tuna, dolphin, and wahoo. But a lot of the fish were coming back and just laying around the docks, people taking pictures, seeing them, touching them for the first time, and then the fish would just end up in the dumpster. And wow. we're like, what the heck? We can't be doing this. Right. We need to promote conservation and research and education. So we started the series, and it's just flourished ever since. So um but uh, so we do have three tournaments this summer. We'll be right. at Georgetown in about 27 days. We're really excited. <laughs> it's coming. And uh, so it's a it's um a three day tournament. Both okay. fish two out of three days. And you're right; these are big 
sport fishers, typically they're they're in the 40, 50, 60 foot range because they're going about 50 miles offshore sure. to find that blue water where these species really um, are. Fishing times are from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m., but it takes about two hours for the boats to get to the fishing grounds and then back to the fishing grounds. And our, our way stations are typically open from about 5 to 7. Okay. So we encourage folks to come down and participate, walk the docks, see the boats. It's a big family atmosphere as well. Nice. Uh, and, and and this is free to come watch and observe? No charge for watching away in? <laughs> Uh, Absolutely. You know, you, you started touching on a little bit. It was formed under Gar- Governor Carol Campbell. What um, it, conservation? You know, we're we're we all want clean water. We all want the resource for not only ourselves, for our kids, for our grandkids to enjoy. Some of the some of the main concentrations of, the, of this series is conservation. Talk about some of the conservation. Some of the ways you practice conservation out there on the blue water at the dock and, and all the data you collect. Yeah, um, I can jump in here too a little yeah. bit. Um, as Amy mentioned, now um, you know when fish are brought back to the dock, they, there's a, a wanton waste clause that essentially <clears throat> states that these fish can't just sit on the dock and rot or be tossed away without um, most of the at least most of the meat being used. Okay. Um, we obviously collect data. We collect measurement data, um, sex data on our tuna, dolphin, and wahoo. And then um, if a billfish is brought in, we do we do the same um, in addition to some other um, measurements that we take. But um, another really great aspect of the tournament is that uh, the majority of points are actually awarded based on a release fish. So um, for a, a billfish brought in, for a blue marlin bought, brought in, um, the amount of points you get is based on the weight, and so it's a point per pound. And um, if you actually release that fish, you're getting 600 points. So you're getting more points for releasing the fish, and um, over the years we've actually seen uh, the release rate uh, increase steadily over time. We're, we're, last year we were at about a 98% release rate, but we're pretty average, about 99, 98%. Yeah, I mean, you, you penalize yourself for bringing in a 500-pound fish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, lo- you're losing points. Um, right, right. Uh, let's see. I was I was looking here. You got three major awards: outstanding billfish, outstanding billfish boat, and outstanding billfish conservationist. So you're you're right there. Most points for tagged and released fish, which goes right along with with uh, letting these fish go back to be caught again or reproduce. You know. When we talk about a fish that's big enough to be brought to the scales, how old is that fish? Uh, so it's going to be a blue marlin. That's the only of, a, of the billfish species that we recognize in the series. The blue marlin is the only fish that can actually be landed. Sailfish, okay. spearfish, and white marlin are catch and release only. Um, and then the blue marlin has to be 105 inches, and that's measured curved length from the tip of the lower jaw to the fork of the tail. Okay. It's actually six inches greater than the federal legal limit. So if you're just recreationally fishing and you're not in a, in a series tournament, um, the regulations that are put in play by Holly Migratory Species, uh, which is a division of NOAA, say that she's got to be 99 inches. And I, and I said she because typically at this size, the fish is always going to be a female. And at 105 inches, um, she's likely to be a five- to seven-year-old fish. They actually grow really quickly. Right. And they'll get to a certain point where they stop growing in length and they'll grow in girth. So a lot of guys talk about her shoulders, how big she is. Um, but when we do kill this animal, 
you're you're killing your mamas, you're you're killing your baby sure. makers. Um, and so we want to make sure that when an animal is landed, that one she's reached sexual maturity, so she's done her job in life. She's she's laid eggs, she's gone and and created the next generation. And then of course, like Elizabeth said, we have a 99% release rate. So the vast majority of the blue marlin that are caught in in the Governor's Cup bill fishing series are in fact released. So every once in a blue moon, we'll get a fish. Last year, we had one. I'm sorry, last year, we actually had two. The year before, we had none, actually. And then we, we go years where we have one or two. Some right. years, we have one. Some years, we have four. But, again, most of that, those fish are going back and being released and, um, and to live another day. Yeah, and what's the point? Go ahead. Sorry, and they, they do have to be released on good condition, too. We We, we view the videos and... They only get release points for, you know, if that fish swims away healthy and, you know, looks fine. Yeah, it, it, this it's not disappointing for, for nobody to bring a fish to the scales in this tournament because that's not the goal. The goal is to catch and release. And, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we got about got about a minute and a half left here. Um, goodness. I read in here that the Marine Resources Division helps coordinate the event and provides scientific tags and tagging equipment to serious anglers. Talk a minute about this, this tagging. Does it take place out in the water as they're bringing in to release? Do they insert the tags out there on the water? It does take place on the water. Um, and if the fish is in a in a controllable situation um, and they can get a tag in it, it's it's encouraged, but it's not required. And we have two different types of tags. We have a metal dart tag, which is typically what we use in the, the blue marlin okay. or any of the billfish species. And it's a quick little, on the end of a tagging stick, goes into the shoulder of the fish and sticks. Um, and then we do have plastic dart tags that we encourage that go in our tuna, dolphin, and wahoo. And we actually have an award. Um, it's called a Blue Water Conservationist Award that is awarded to uh, a, a, a participating tournament boat who tags and releases the most meat fish during the tournament as well. So that that concept of conservation is, is there, but it's also then linked to the research side of the aspect so that we can perhaps get some really cool data back when these fish are caught again, typically somewhere further up the East Coast. Okay. Because these are migratory fish. Gotcha. Um and then data helps you, you know, in 30 seconds, how does the data help? Well, uh, actually, highly migratory species are sort of a rare event species. So anytime that we can get comprehensive data collected on the docks, all it's going to do is further help our science and our management team. Okay. And since we've been doing this in South Carolina since 1977, by far we have the most robust data set for these species in the entire Atlantic coast. Very proud of that effort. Very cool. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. Um, come back. We were going to talk about what happens with a fish when she comes back, but we barely scratched the surface of this. So we'll we'll uh, we'll take a minute over the break. Talk about how we want to approach the second segment, and be back with more Amy Dukes and Elizabeth and the South Carolina Bill, Governor's Bill Fishing Series. Y'all hang on through the break. More Woods and Water South Carolina on the other side. And welcome back into Woods and Water, South Carolina. I'm sorry, folks. For some reason or other, the 
I don't know. I have never had allergies before, but boy, I tell you, something is working on me today. I don't know if somebody's perfuming my upstairs in my office or uh, or what's happening, but it, boy, I tell you, my nose is giving me a fit. So y'all, excuse me if I have to sneeze or or whatever, and hopefully Amy and Elizabeth will put up with me um, and won't hang up if I have to do that. But uh, yes, <laughs> we, but we appreciate y'all again taking time to be on the show today. Uh, Amy Dukes, Elizabeth Gooding with the Department of Natural Resources. We're talking about the South Carolina Governor's Cup Bill Fishing Series. Uh, we we talked a little bit about the conservation. We hit on the tagging, and, you know, tagging is always interesting. When you tag in a little pond, you know, you're going to catch it in a little pond. This is a big ocean and all. What's, uh, do, do you have a, a good tag story? I mean, something just kind of makes somebody go, wow. Yeah, we do. Um we uh again we encourage the tagging of our billfish and our um and our meatfish species and we actually tagged a, a juvenile yellowfin tuna off the coast of South Carolina back in the early 2000s. Okay. She was sublegal, so less than 27 inches, and they they weren't able to keep her, so they put a tag in her and let her go. And it was almost 11 years later this tag was sent back and I opened the mail and I looked at this tag and I was like, dude, this thing's old based on the number. They're all individually numbered. And so when we went to look it up to see when it was tagged, um, it was, it was almost 11 years later. And again, tagged off the coast of South Carolina and she was actually landed by a fisherman off the coast of Africa (laughs) and was about 155 pounds, a big, big fish at that point. Um, So she, she went around that whole entire Atlantic basin through that through the dry roof system and just ended up off the coast of Africa hanging out. Hanging out. Just hanging out. Hanging out. <laughs> On their website, they have one, the South Carolina Tag Marlin recaptured off Brazil after traveling 4,320 miles. Wow. Yep. That's Crazy, a lot of huh? That's a lot of swimming. <laughs> It is a lot of swimming for these fish. Um, <laughs> they don't understand boundaries. No, <laughs> no, no. Well, you know. I don't know if there's a whole lot of boundaries out there in the blue water. Uh, the boundary, the ba- the only boundary I know of out there is when the shark shows up. Oh, no. <laughs> they got to eat, too. That's right. We were, uh, one one year we were off with a friend of mine out of Charleston, and I think we were somewhere around 68 to 70 miles off. Long day, good day, you know. We caught some visual like there were three of us on the boat, and times there was a Chinese fire drill with a mahi bite, the dolphin bite or whatever, and... You know, we were getting ready to head in, and he's a, he was a smart one. Uh, we cleaned the boat out there. We didn't wait to get back to the dock to clean the boat. You cleaned the boat out there. Uh, so nobody got to leave early. Everybody had to pitch in and help. Well, we cleaned the boat, and, it was, you know, I was like, I'm just going to jump in. So I jumped in a little bit, and, you know, kind of staring down at the blue water. You're like, how far am I seeing down here? And I, I said, Daniel, I said, uh, I said, how far do you think I'm seeing down there? I mean, if a shark was down there, how far could I be able to see him? <laughs> And he said, I don't know. And he hit the dis- bilge discharge pump. And this, you know, when you, these pelagic fish, they bleed. You know, they, that's, that's just what they do because they're, and anyway, so this, this crimson stream of water comes out of the bilge. And I think I walked on water getting back into the boat. I mean, that's just not, not even funny. <laughs> um, we talked about some of the conservation that happens with the billfish series and uh and i want to delve into that a little bit more you know we've got tagging programs we've got what happens what's happened in north carolina south and georgia around us 
the Dolphin Tagging Research Program. Talk a minute, just just free for all. Whoever wants to jump in and, and talk for five or six minutes about some of the other conservation efforts that kind of piggyback on the Governor's Cup. Um, I can jump in here. Um, we do have a um, the South Carolina Memorial Reef, which is a really um, fascinating conservation, yeah. um, you know, aspect of our jobs too. Um, so basically, what it is is it's um, it's artificial reef structure. So it's things like old bridges or vessels that can't be used anymore. We sink it way offshore. Um, there's not a lot of restructure um, off the coast of South Carolina. Right. And we have a debrief MPA, the Charleston debrief MPA offshore, um, where we sink these structures and it creates, um, you know, like vertical relief that um, that creates upwelling and brings in kind of the smaller fish, which obviously leads up the chain and um, it, it becomes a great biodiversity spot. Um, hot spot out there. Um, so we're working on a current project. Uh, we have recently purchased the MV Coastal Venture, okay. um, which is a 247-foot vessel that um, can no longer sail, and so um, we're using it to sink in the Charleston Deep Reef. Um, we're, it's a, it's a $500,000 project, um, but we're only about $100,000 short of our goal, and we're optimistic that we'll receive that um, through many of our generous donors, um, hopefully this summer. We the ship is ready for um, for deployment. We're just waiting on a good weather window and um, an available tugboat, and we'll hopefully get her deployed soon. And then we'll continue fundraising until we have met our goal. Um, but we're really excited about this project, especially because it's it's going to you know lead to hundreds of thousands of of square feet of um, artificial reef habitat out in that deep reef. Yeah, you know. What's so cool about this particular marine protected area is the okay. type two, which means there's no bottom fishing whatsoever. Right. But you can troll across it for pelagic species sure. that our blue water fishermen are really after. So it's sort of a win-win. We're building all this habitat for snapper grouper species and helping to protect them and allow them to have rookeries where they can spawn and and make these giant spawning aggregates. And you can't touch them. You can't fish on them. You got to okay. leave them alone. And then we've got all this beautiful upwelling of basically building an ecosystem from the ground floor up, and then pelagic fishermen get to be take advantage of, of what it brings. And um, if we hadn't done these last three projects and this fourth one coming up, it would have just been a sandy wasteland out there, and we're, we're building fishing grounds. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're out there, it's, it's a desert for the most part. It gradually slopes away, and then it drops off. And, but it's still flat, and, and you're looking for that 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 ground relief, that bottom structure or whatever that's going to disturb the current, give the bait fish somewhere to hide, the bait fish bring in the other species, and boom, you have a fishery. Mm-hmm. You got it. And uh, we have a lot of our Governor's Cup participants fish out there during the tournament, okay. which is exciting to see, and we're taking data, too. You know, when you when – you, and this is kind of going down a rabbit hole. We talked about not going down rabbit holes. When you buy a vessel like this <laughs> – there, there's. I'm, I'm sure cleaning that vessel to sink out in the ocean is a process. Oh yes. I mean, it's it not. It was a process. Yeah. I mean, you, you remove fuel tanks. I mean, how do you, how do you do all that just in a short, skinny minute? Sure. Well, the, the fuel tanks are actually still on the boat. Um, okay. However, they were properly cleaned, and anything on the boat that could float away to become a navigation hazard or debris on the ocean was removed. So. Anything, anything that could float was removed. And then, of course, it did have to go through several inspections with the Environmental Protection Agency and the U.S. Coast Guard 
to um, which they both have gone through and signed off on the vessel that she is ready to be sunk. Cool. Um, so everything that's still on it is is pretty much just metal and uh, will go down with the ship. And then just to add some additional structures and weights, uh, there's a little bit of concrete block in there too. So even okay. 150 years from now, when the when the vessel is sort of sort of to decompose and break apart, um, there still be some rubble out there. Cool. And if you want to donate, because you are raising funds to do this, folks, if you if you have an interest in donating, uh, and here's the name, Harry Hampton Fund. Uh, Jim was just on the show back before uh, before his dinner and the uh, Pavlos Forces Classic. So this is Jim Goller's deal, the Harry Hampton Fund. Uh, you can make it out to him, uh, the South Carolina Memorial Reef, care of Amy Dukes, P.O. Box 12559, Charleston, South Carolina, 29422. And that information is on the website also, isn't it? They people it want to is. donate, That's yeah. And, then, yeah. and and there is a direct website to the Memorial Reef too. If you go okay. to scmemorialreef.com, right, um, you'll you'll find additional information and yep. places to donate there too. That's right under the make text payable. It's donate online. There's a lot of information out there you can find if you look. Uh, but well, <laughs> <Yeah>. yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty good one. Anything we got about a oh, about a minute uh, about a minute and a half. Anything else on the conservation side you want to? you want to touch on or the accomplishments of the series, Amy? Yeah, sure. So like I said in the beginning, um, South Carolina had about a 70% kill rate for these billfish species and, and for no reason whatsoever. So having the series sort of change that mindset, um, our, our constituents um, within this fishery, are, they pride themselves on sportsmanship and camaraderie, and they pride themselves on making sure that they have a sustainable resource. So it's wonderful to see the mentality of these fishermen completely change when we start talking about conservation and what it's going to positively do for their fishing friends. You know, they want to go out there and catch these fish from, from time to time, and especially when you start to have the, the younger generation grow up sure. um, and then have kids and want to go out there. It's, it's very much a family affair, and, and I think they are stronger components for conservation and research and education sometimes than we are because they love this fishing sport, and they want it to last forever. Um, and, and that has been that has been on both sides, the fishing and the hunting side. The people that hunt and fish are the ones who are most enthusiastic about conservation, making sure those resources are around for next generations and all. It's it's a it's a great dynamic to watch. Uh, it really is. Um, all right. Well, we're going to go into that third segment, uh, the fourth segment of this show, third segment of the interview. So y'all hang on. We'll be back with more Woods and Water South Carolina, the South Carolina Governor's Cup Bill Fishing Series after the break. And welcome back into Woods and Water, South Carolina. You know, it's uh, Taylor. You, you y'all have heard Taylor and I say this before. We'll 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 have two segments set aside for something, and uh, and when you get people that uh, that one enjoy talking to each other and two enjoy talking about a subject, it it almost always always bleeds over into the last segment, and that's where we are. We're in this last segment of another show. We've enjoyed two segments with Amy and Elizabeth from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources talking about the South Carolina Governor's Cup Bill Fishing Series. 
Uh, ladies, again, thanks for being on the show. You know, off the air, we were talking about relationships, and I hope this is the beginning of a relationship. After so many years of doing this, we're finally here talking about it, and uh, we've already talked about doing a, another update in the summer during the series, so that's going to be fun. But thanks again for taking time to be on the show. It's our pleasure. We're excited to be here. And we've had a good time with it. Uh, and, and like I told him over the break, I'm just going to cut him loose. You've got about ten minutes. We're going to talk about some of what happens when you bring in, and Amy laughed this morning when I said, when somebody brings a big old girl to the way, to the scales, what happens? So with that introduction, y'all have at it. you got about ten minutes to talk about what you get when you bring one to the scales. Sure, we're we're excited to talk about that. Um, I will I'll start by saying, you know, last year was my very first tournament, um, my very first year on the job, yeah. and I went to the Georgetown tournament, you know, a week after I started, <laughs> and the very first night of the tournament, a blue marlin was landed, or very very first day of the tournament, I yeah. believe, um, a blue marlin was landed and brought aboard, and the logistics that goes into it is absolutely unbelievable because. I mean, you have to imagine these animals are, you know, 400 pounds, 400 plus pounds, and you have to get it off of the vessel, you know, without hurting the fish, without or without, you know, damaging the fish in any way, sure. um, and getting it all the way up the docks around a huge crowd of people that know the fish is coming in, and and up to the scales is is pretty insane. It's pretty pretty insane thing to watch. So um, that was exciting. My first my first uh, day on the job. <laughs> What uh, you know, you talk about a, a big fish like this. Total length. I mean, we measure from the fork of the tail to the line on the jaw, whatever. How long was that fish? I mean, from the tip of the the bill all the way to the tail. Um. So this fish was, I believe, 108 inches, um, and maybe a little over. Cause I think it got an extra point, but but yeah, it was, it was over. They they have to be over 105 inches to be landed and brought in. Um. The federal requirement is 99 inches, but we I think we we touched on that earlier. But right, um, yeah, this this one was 108. 108 divided by 12. That's nine feet long. Yeah, <laughs> good math skill. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I pulled it up on my phone right quick. It's called calculator. Uh, <laughs> and, and that doesn't include the top bill, which right. is going to extend out another couple of feet. That's mm-hmm. that's a really yeah. long that's a really long fish. I, I, in all the in the time I spent offshore, and I'm gonna turn. I've never caught a billfish, so oh well. All right, continue you on. Too. Sorry. You need to. I know. Uh, and Elizabeth touched on it. She talked about how careful we are with the fish when we when we actually see it for the first time, and and before we even see it, the crew is also being very careful with that fish because okay. over a decade ago, the series. Uh, instituted a new regulation in our fishing guidelines for wanton waste. And um, what that basically means is if you are going to land any fish in the bill fishing series, you're going to take care of it. You're going to protect it. You're going to put it on ice. You're going to bring it back. You're going to present it to the tournament for consideration. And then you're going to clean that animal properly. You're going to eat all the meat. And that applies to the blue marlin that are landed as well as the tuna dolphin and wahoo that are landed. And and why that's really important to us, and we we were the first series, so there's a series in Georgia that's sort of kind of defunct, and then a series in North Carolina that mimics ours, but they have very different rules. Um, and, and wanton waste was really important because if you're going to land it, you're going to consume it. In North Carolina, you land a fish, and it sits on the dock, and the, and the meat gets wasted. 
South Carolina, no, sir, you're not going to compete in a serious tournament unless you're going to take care of that fish. So um, as soon as that fish entered the boat, they wrapped it in towels and, and ice and, and to preserve that meat okay. as much as they can because I got that two-hour ride back. One sure. of the first things that we do when we get on that boat is we touch that animal. She's got to be cold. She's got to be well taken care of. Um, and then once we weigh it and we have all the pictures and all the hoopla is amazing, then we have a giant ice bath that she immediately goes into. And um, and she is displayed for people to be able to see her and touch her because, again, a rare event species. Sure. You don't get to see these animals very often. And then once we've done all of our biological data collections, then they then process that fish. The blue marlin is primarily smoked, okay. and um, there's, there's not a piece of her that goes wasted. And um, wow. that's actually part of our rules. You must do that in order to qualify. And we don't have any problems. Our guys are so eager Smoke Blue Marlin is lovely, Ugh. and they can't wait to get their hands on her. Yeah. Um, but we, we touched on that biological data, and I, I kind of want to dig into that a little bit yes. more. Um, so you've got this 500-pound animal in front of you. We do a full dissection. We, um, we see what's in her stomach. We want to know what she's been eating. We look at her swim bladder. So fish have two swim bladders, which um, they can use to regulate where they are buoyancy-wise in the water column. And we talk uh, a lot about all of this to the fishermen that are standing around us because even though they fish for these animals, they have no idea what is typically their diet. They have no idea that these fish have multiple gullets, sort of a stomach chamber where they can eat and food is processed slowly through the stomach. So they get to see the inside of the stomach and the gullets. They get to see these swim bladders that are filled with air to understand buoyancy. Uh, we also talk about their dorsal fins and their pectoral fins. I don't know if you see it on a regular fish, but pay attention the next time you go fishing. Sometimes they have little indentions where the pectoral fins will sit to really streamline this fish. We <laughs> marlin definitely do. And even what's more cool is the dorsal fin has a ridge, a little ridge that it can sit in. So the dorsal fin can come straight up and help guide her in, as a fan or or a wood in a, in a or a sail wood in a sailboat right. she can turn that and, and pivot really quickly in the water but if she wants to do a burst of speed she has that whole dorsal go down completely so it's in that ridge and she is flat and streamlined and her speed and power all comes from her tail at that point it's just really cool to show that to somebody <laughs> and the guys eat it up uh, and we I look at reproductive status too you know um, as Amy mentioned before a lot of you know, most of these bigger um, fish that are actually being brought into weigh, weigh um, are females. And so we look at, you know, her reproductive organs and we can see if she's spawned yet um, and, and kind of where she is along that, uh, you know, her development. Tell me about and, this. Uh, oh, go ahead, sorry, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead, finish oh, yeah, your talk. Um, and then we also, um, we take the otolus, which is the ear bone. That's it. Um, <laughs> and it's used for aging fish. Um, and so... In like a snapper grouper species, the otolith might be the size of maybe your fingernail because they're kind of having to go in and out of structure and, and they need to use that for more, you know, directional, um, you know, method, re, you know, for reasons sure. uh, more directional. And, um, but, but the otolith in a blue marlin is really the size of the tip of your fingernail or a sesame seed. It's, <laughs> it's extremely, extremely small. So, you know, if you're looking at this 100 and you know, nine, eight pound, eight, eight inch fish, you have to find the sesame seed in the head of the blue marlin. It's unbelievable. And I've watched Amy do it twice now, and it's pretty incredible. She uses a sawzall and, and cuts right in the exact 
you know, area where that, that bone is going to be, and you kind of have to find it in a little pocket with tiny forceps, and um, it's, it's pretty incredible. Amy, what are you learning from the Otolus? I mean, what, why, so why, why retrieve it? it? It works kind of like a, a rings on a tree. Um, so you can count those rings and you can age the fish. Um, it's, it's hard to do in the smaller Otolus, uh, as you can imagine. Sure. Um, but we use, there's a, a way to smooth them down and uh, make them more clear and you can read them with a microscope and you kind of look at the rings on the otolith to determine the age of the fish. Wow. Yeah, it's it's insane. Cool stuff. And, um, I will say that I did not ha- I did not do this just out of a whim. I worked um, extensively with our partners in North Carolina um, at the primarily the Big Rock tournament and okay. um, worked with folks from the Department of Marine Fisheries up there so I could learn this this extraction method and um, it's been really rewarding to be able to, to do this. Um, so eventually we can age all these fish and, and determine exactly how old they are. We have a pretty good idea based on other studies and, and scientific papers that have been published. Like I said, a 105 inch fish is probably going to be in that five to seven range. You know, okay. we still, unfortunately going back to the state record, the 886 that was landed in 2005, we weren't taking these biological samples. We have no idea how old that girl was. And that, that is also some of the reasons why we've extended our biological data collection efforts since myself and, and Wally Jenkins took over the series in 2008. And, and Wally actually uh, retired from the agency after 41 years last August, so a little bit of a void for us wow. here in the series. But, yeah. but we're also really excited to carry forward the traditions that, that he um, instilled in us, and uh, Elizabeth's a giant part of that, and I'm really excited to be able to take all of these things that we've learned over the years and continue to grow the series to the next level with regards to research and conservation and education. There's so much more that we can do and, and having new young staff is really going to be able to continue us to propel to, to propel us into the future. We're, um, so getting these otoliths, educating the folks about the, these fish are really important, and, and even the, the little things. So sure. if you guys ever come to the dock and we have a blue marlin landed, I want <laughs> you guys to touch the eyeball. I want you to touch the dill. It's, it's rough like sandpaper. And you got to think about that from a fish's perspective. She's swimming through a big school of sure. manhattan or something, whatever, silver sides, and she's thrashing her head back and forth, and yeah. she's hoping to nick those little fish as she's swimming through. And then she turns around, comes back, and picks them all off as they're kind of like stunned, <laughs> dead. There you go. <laughs> and you don't even think about that until you feel sure. the bill and feel how rough it is. It's just, it's so cool. It is cool. Well, look, we've got about. About 30 or 45 seconds left. Uh, anything you want to say to wrap up? Uh, I hope to see everybody listening on the docks in Georgetown. <laughs> we'll be there May 26th is the first day of fishing, and then we'll be at the Carolina Billfish Classic at the Charleston Harbor Resort and Marina on June 22nd, and then we finish out our series down at Edisto Beach. And the first day on the docks will be the 24th, uh, I'm sorry, the 21st of July. Again, it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday tournament, boat fish two of three. Come down, hang out, find us, meet us, check our hands, and if you want to get a little bloody, we're all about that. Oh, cool. Well, thanks, Amy and Elizabeth, for being on the show. Uh, folks, thanks for tuning in, listening in today. Hope you got something from it. Uh, as we say every day we do the show, make time to get out there, take the back roads when you can, and don't forget the camera. See you back next week. More Woods and Water, South Carolina. Oh,
General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.